Hello, everybody, and welcome to another episode of the Connect Podcast. My next guest is Senior Director of Market Development here at RTI. He focuses on the industrial Internet of Things and is also responsible for RTI's initiatives with industry consortia and strategic partners. For over 20 years, he's worked on controls analysis, hardware in the loop test systems, robotics, real-time software development, and systems engineering in the aerospace and embedded software industries. I'd like to welcome to the Connect podcast, Brett Murphy. Thanks for having me. Of course, you're somebody we've wanted to interview for a while now, so we're glad you could make it on and allow us to pick your brain. Great. I want to start things off by recognizing IIoT as one of the hottest topics in industries today. The what and the why of IIoT has been covered exhaustively through the media and at conferences. So today we're going to focus on where the rubber meets the road. So let's talk about industrial IoT use cases. Specifically, use cases that require real-time data exchange in distributed environments. So firstly, can you talk about how DDS plays a role in IIoT and how this has evolved in the past few years? Sure. So as anybody who's listened to any of our podcasts or looked at our material, obviously DDS is a connectivity framework that enables the sharing of data across compute nodes in an industrial IoT system, from edge to fog to cloud. It's one of the key standards, but it's also unique amongst all these different connectivity standards that are out there, in that it helps implement what we call a data bus. And a data bus, you can think of a little bit like a database. You read and write data to the database, and the data decouples the applications. Anyhow, technical details aside, so DDS uniquely creates this data bus. And if you look at the needs of IoT systems, they're really about the data, getting the data from the things to the analytics, to the control applications, and all at different layers. So it's all about data interconnectivity. And so DDS is unique in the industry, in technology that's available today, in greatly streamlining that data interconnectivity. Right. As opposed to, say, consumer IoT, where you have a device connected to another person, this is easier connecting things to things, and a lot of things at that. It's very much about connecting things to things. It used to be called M to M, machine to machine. I mean, it's had lots of different names over the years. This is all rolled up now into this Internet of Things, and in particular, our focus, industrial Internet of Things. Okay, well, I wouldn't be doing my job if I didn't ask you what your favorite use case is, since we'll be talking about use cases, and why you find it interesting. Sure. So, <laughs> boiling it down to a single use case, I don't know if this is quite that. Um, there's actually multiple use cases in this. It's really a case study about a particular customer's system, and that is Siemens Gamasa, mm -hmm. as they say it in Europe. Uh, it's really their wind power group. So what they do is they deploy turbines uh, in wind farms offshore. Now these the 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 nacelle or the the center part of the turbines the size of a Greyhound bus, and inside it there's a whole lot of compute a whole lot of sensors, a whole lot of activity to keep these football field long blades from going south. 
those are expensive beasts. And they'll have like a hundred of these in a farm. So it's a big old honking system. <laughs> what I love about it is they've implemented what we call the layered data bus architecture. So they've got all these turbines, call it a, these things smart machines. Inside each turbine is a, a data bus. It's, there's multiple compute nodes, lots of data being shared very fast to do control of that individual turbine. Then they have another data bus sitting above all the turbines. And there they're doing things like optimizing the output of the farm, um, watching for problems at that wind farm level. Then they go back to their control center. And in the control center, they have another data bus. So they have three layers of data bus. And the data that's shared is peer-to-peer, you know, they have north-south communication from edge to cloud. They have east-west communication at each layer. It's a fascinating system. And within that, they're doing control, they're doing monitoring, they're doing asset management, they have predictive maintenance. They have a whole bunch of use cases that they address in this system. It's fascinating. That is a big system. It's huge. <laughs> How about performance? What cases come to mind? Performance. So... One of our poster childs for performance is the NASA KSC Orion Launch Center. So, you know, the, the, the thing you see on TV where the launch center and the people sitting in front of those displays and the big old gorgeous display on the front wall, uh, that's all powered by uh, RTI Connect DDS now. And when, when, when the Orion system launches, there's a huge number of sensors on that thing, just watching what's happening during a launch, and it's a burst of information. Very, very, very high speed. Like, what is it now? 500,000 messages per second during the during the, be, the burst? So it's very high performance. It's a great example. I understand that these systems also need to deal with scale and security. How do they balance that with performance as well? Yeah. So that's one of the unique benefits of using a standard like DDS and our implementation of it with Connects. Uh, DDS is very, very tunable. So even the security model, for example, you can secure particular data elements, like maybe the command to shut off the valve to the launch system, you know, shut down the fuel. That command you might want to secure very, very carefully mm-hmm. uh, for obvious reasons. Right. The temperature outside at the launch system you could get from weather.com. Why bother to secure it? Right. <laughs> so that sort of trade-off is doable in DDS. And then with scale, for example, they scale again. That's It's back to that layered data bus. So you could have a data bus at the edge where you're doing extraordinarily high speed. And then you have another data bus. It's essentially a logical separation of a DDS system. At the back end, where you've got much lower performance requirements. And so that breaking it up into subsystems with different data interconnectivity, data sharing needs is how you can scale. So, again, you've got all these uh, knobs you can tune in a DDS system to play off those different requirements. So, where is the low hanging fruit for IIoT? Like, where is the, the wheelhouse located for, for this technology? Okay, so let's step back to the overall industry right now. Um, One of the ways that I look at the industrial IoT overall 
is in kind of a, a, a increasing, if, if you look at data interconnectivity and how much is needed, and you look at artificial intelligence or analytics and how much is needed, you see a different set of groupings based on how complex, how much data interconnectivity, how much AI they need. The first set of use cases I lump under the term monitoring. Monitoring is mostly about putting a few sensors around your most expensive assets and looking at what they're doing. The purpose is to do things like asset management, predictive maintenance, uh, use cases like that. That's really about getting the data back to the analytics, maybe in a cloud or in a, in a control center, and just doing, just doing. The, the analytics are actually kind of hard. But. Right. <laughs> <laughs> so there's a lot of value uh, mm-hmm. in those. But, and so those are kind of the low-hanging fruit. That's what most people are doing right now. I've got a factory. It's doing what it's doing. I'm going to put a few sensors in there and just start sipping data out of that. Right. That's monitoring. Now, well, I've got this factory I've got these sensors, I'm doing monitoring. I can actually add some more sensors and see what the pump in between my two expensive assets is doing. I can look at the temperature and the flow and I can start to instrument the entire process. Now I can start to optimize the process. Now I start to need to do edge analytics because too much data coming back. And actually it'd be really nice if I could share between the edge analytics that are happening on these different parts of the process directly. So peer-to-peer, east-west, M-to-M. These are where you start to see data interconnectivity needs that uh, DDS begins to excel at. Anyway, that I call optimization, optimizing the process. Well, we're on that topic. Would you mind explaining how the need for edge analytics going from monitoring to optimization, instead of just monitoring these two assets, you want to add more sensors What's the leap from monitoring to optimization? Is it too much data coming in? Yeah, so you think about uh, you know the pipe you have coming out of the factory. If you need to pipe absolutely everything that you're gathering across the entire factory, that's an enormous pipe right. back to the cloud, and they charge you for every byte. Okay, <laughs> so it really comes down to often just physical ability. You know the physics of the, the the size of the network connection and to the cost around okay. pushing all that data back. So there's cost advantages and just re- functional requirements that drive putting some of that edge analytics on the edge. Uh, analytics on the edge. The, for example, um, do you need to send every single temperature value? back to the cloud to view it, or do you just want to show, oh, temperature just changed over a certain amount. I'm just going to send the the temperature values before and after that event back. And this could save CPUs for the system. It saves uh, compute effort in the back end. It saves how much data you have to ship back drops that significantly. So there are a variety of reasons for edge analytics. The other reason is um, just sheer performance. Um, if one of your, call it you know, an edge analytics application f- sees a sudden surge in pressure at one of your expensive assets, you might want to tell the pump just upstream of that to slow down or shut off uh, because you don't want to 
you know, blow up your gas turbine or something. I, I'm making that up, but um, so that's where you want quick reaction time, uh, edge to edge. You don't want to go all the way back to the cloud, figure that out, and send it back down. Those are obvious use cases, but a reason for edge analytics that go, that changes from going from monitoring to optimization. Okay, great. And you kind of touched this on this just now, but what use cases will deliver the fastest ROI? So you know when the internet first came out, the killer application was email, right? I think for the industrial internet of things, the killer app is predictive maintenance mm-hmm. because maintenance of expensive assets is in itself expensive. Typically, they just say, well, stuff could fail after six months. We don't want that to happen, so we're just going to send somebody out every four, Mm -hmm. whether it needs it or not. Doing predictive maintenance to actually look at the condition of the system and gives huge efficiency. So everybody talks about predictive maintenance. Right. One of the techniques is condition-based monitoring. That's another term out there. That, I think, is the killer app that's driving the fastest ROI. Now, the final set of use cases on that that spectrum, you know, from monitoring to optimization, the final set is autonomy. And autonomy is where you basically take the human out of the loop. You're doing multiple layers of control and compute. You've got edge, you've got fog in between, you've got the back end. Siemens Gamasa, right? Mm-hmm. That's a great example right. of one of these autonomy Systems. The wind turbines we were just talking about. Yep. The wind turbines that I was just talking about. So, autonomy is huge. Let's talk about like a, a speculative wind smart city use case. You got a home health device that detects a heart attack and an unconscious person in their home. It automatically calls for an ambulance and the system alerts the hospital and sends all the data, right? The ambulance gets to the home, picks, finds, you know, the EMTs, they find the person, and then they're heading to the hospital. The smart uh, highway or transportation system turns all the lights green for the ambulance and red increases safety, makes it faster. Right. They get to the hospital, the, all the information that's been uh, going on with the patient as you add more sensors to them in the EMT or the ambulance is telemetered to the hospital. So they have all this data before the patient even arrives right. at the emergency or trauma center. Is as opposed to how things are now, it's a pretty chaotic situation when you get to a it's hospital. It's all siloed. It's what's his name? What's restart. his condition? You have to restart each time. The right. He shows up. They have no data from the home health thing. They have to figure it all out for themselves. Then they hand it off and they do some verbal handoff. But right. the doctors have to reset and say, "Okay, what do we really have here?" So instead of resetting, we just we just streamline that information yeah. straight to the doctor so they can and, even prepare. And, while and there isn't a person in there going, okay, turn the next one green at the intersection, turn the next one green in the intersection. It's all software. Right. And that's all autonomy. Those, <laughs> I mean, it's like Facebook to email, right? right? Could we have predicted Facebook when we first put the internet together? Maybe a little bit, but you know, maybe some science fiction writers could have pulled it off. Mm-hmm. <laughs> 
Well, I was going to ask you how this would transform how the industry works, but it seems like autonomy is definitely that situation yes. that you just explained. Yep. I think autonomy is going to be the big transformation that we will see from the IIoT. Well, RTI is involved in some of the leading consortia in IoT. Can you tell us a little bit about your involvement there and how that's enabling future use cases? Sure. So probably the largest or most influential consortia in the industrial IoT directly involved is the Industrial Internet Consortium, so the IIC. RTI is very heavily involved with the IIC, has been since its first day as a public entity. Um, I think we were the second to join. And the big advantage of the IIC and how it's helping to shape it is, one, it's an ecosystem. It's a place where everybody, no one company has the total solution right now. I mean, I was just talking about that smart city use case, you know, across all these different types of systems. Um, there's not going to be a single company that delivers all that, not for a long time. So the companies need to get together and talk about how to integrate, how to bring the different pieces that they each have to, to, to fruition. So that's the ecosystem part. Uh, the IIC also helps with um, providing guidance on technical front. So there's the Industrial Internet uh, Connectivity Framework document, call it the IICF. That helps to define what all these different connectivity or protocol standards are and which ones do what well and, you know, Obviously, DDS is in there because right. uh, we helped to author that thing and it explains how it compares with others. So there's the technical guidance. But enabling future use cases, the real rubber hits the road are the test beds at the IIC. And the test beds are um, end users getting together with a few IIC members to put together a solution for a particular use case. Could be in different verticals, could be a different type of use case, predictive maintenance, autonomy, et cetera, et cetera. Um, those are really the practical demonstrations and tests, proofs of concept uh, for solutions for particular use cases, delivering value for particular use cases. So clearly involvement with the consortium, the IIC, is crucial to progression in this industry. Yes, because otherwise we have wild, wild west chaos. Right. So it needs some organization. Right. <laughs> <laughs> no, it really does accelerate the, the industrial IoT in its entirety, and that's its purpose. And kind of paves the way for how this industry will look, yeah. since this hasn't been solidified yet. Nope. All right. We're, we're at the first steps of the IIoT, and who knows what the, what's the IIoT Facebook going to be. Right. Equivalent. Excellent. Well, thanks, Brett, for sitting down today and talking with us. If the listeners wanted to learn more, do you have a recommendation on resources where they can learn more? Sure. I mean, the IIC has a whole bunch of resources that uh, provide kind of general guidance. If you're interested in seeing how that guidance can be applied, how the IIoT is evolving, I actually suggest going to RTI.com and grabbing the ebook. Mm -hmm. uh, the rise of the robot overlords, yep. <laughs> provocatively named, but it's really about what's the IIoT industry, 
How is it evolving? How is it going to evolve? It's an ebook, but then if you want to get even more detail, there's six coming up soon, seventh mm-hmm. webinars uh, that um, Stan Schneider, uh, RTI CEO, has uh, put together. And so that will go into even more detail. Excellent. Well, Brett, thanks again for joining us and allowing us to pick your brain. It's been great. And uh, to all the listeners tuning in, we'll see you next time. Thank you very much. Thank you. Thank you.